October is highlighted and focused on all things breast cancer awareness. While I adore the advocacy for research, the stories of resiliency, critical funding raised to better understand the disease, what I hear from so many survivors is how heavy the pinkwashing can sometimes feel this month of October. Because the truth is, breast disease is not limited to one month a year. It is every day, every year. 300,590 new cases are expected in the United States in 2023 alone. One in eight people will be diagnosed in their lifetime. While the treatment options are ever-evolving for this disease, the variance that women and men face with this illness is their personal mountain to climb. So, while this podcast was pieced together in the month of October, its release for the month of November was intentional. Let's keep advocating for research, funding new treatment options, sharing our stories of resiliency and hope, 11 more months of the year. Welcome to Wondercast, a community collaborative podcast supporting families navigating the complexities of chronic illness. Today's episode is different than those of the past. This episode is the first in a three-part series focused on the process of preparing for double mastectomy and reconstruction, the recovery and healing that follows surgery, and then finally, the advocacy of our surgeons both inside and outside of the operating room. Each journey to wellness has their own story. This is mine. Hi, everyone. As you may know, my name is Julie May, and I'm the host of Wondercast, a collaborative parenting podcast brought to you by Wonders and Worries. I am married to my high school sweetheart. I'm a mom to four kids. I have a 17-year-old, a 15-year-old, a 12-year-old, and a 9-year-old, and I have been a child life specialist for just under 20 years. I feel so privileged to work alongside the people I do at Wonders and Worries and feel very grateful to be a part of this podcast community. What you may not know is that this January, I underwent a double mastectomy with deep flap reconstruction and this past month completed phase two surgery after 18 years of recurrent benign breast tumors, atypical cells, papillomas, which resulted in four breast surgeries, 24 mammograms, and countless biopsies and ultrasounds. I do not have breast cancer. In fact, there are many people that have other existing medical needs outside of breast cancer that lead them to this gigantic surgery. Perhaps like me, you have complicated breast tissue and recurrent disease that continues to affect the quality of your life and potentially hide cancerous cells in your tissue. Or maybe you're a carrier of genetic coding that can predetermine breast cancer. You make the brave choice to fight this disease on your own timetables, prophylactically. Regardless of what led you to here, know that your fight for wellness is marked with bravery, resiliency, and hope. The following recordings take place over the course of October 2022 to January 2023. Well, I'm now sitting in my car, having just left my follow-up imaging review of my most recent mammogram. At 41 years old, this mammogram is lucky number 25 maybe 26. It's always been a bit of the same though, really. I go in for my mammogram. I'm playful, upbeat. The imaging team is always so positive and kind. I love this practice. They're so easy to talk to. It's kind of hard for me not to connect with somebody and visit with them when they are quite literally inches from my face. I get in my position for the supreme squishing of images. Always, without fail, I have to breathe the minute they tell me to hold my breath. 
Does anyone else do that? And then we get through the first set of images. This is the part where it shifts. The technician, that happy and upbeat one, takes a glance at the preliminary imaging just to make sure they're clear enough and is met with what I can only assume is a train wreck of imaging. 18 years of tumor growth, surgical scar tissue, genetically dense tissue, all twisted into a hodgepodge of, girl, you have cancer images. Despite their best poker faces, it is always the same. The playfulness is gone. The conversation quiets. A weary mammogram technician will guide me back to the waiting room while the doctor reviews my images. And I'm told they will keep me posted if they need additional imaging, but to not leave. They always need additional imaging. I always come out of that space wanting to hug the technicians and say, hey, it's okay. Don't worry. This isn't my first rodeo. Signs you might be a child life specialist include prepping the imaging specialist before she starts to prepare her that they are going to be complicated images. Don't panic. This time though, I'm not left with comforting someone else. I'm in the car and I feel overwhelmed. I need comfort. For the first time, the images have become too complicated to read. Even with the attempt today for a mammogram with contrast, the imaging was impossible to read. The radiologist's concern is that despite best efforts, underneath those imagings could be the potential for new tumors, atypical cells, secret Heidi cancer cells, but because the images are impossible to read, there's no way to truly know. I am being referred back to Dr. Heather King with Texas Oncology, Texas breast specialist who completed several of my previous surgeries. In this appointment, we will explore what our options are. I think something that many people may not know is the ongoing relationship that you come to have with the doctors and the medical teams that treat you. For some people with complicated disease, they may see the same physician team for a good part of their adult life. There's an intimacy there. I set my appointment with the surgical oncology office and felt grateful that I already had a relationship with the physician I trusted. I am currently waiting for Dr. King to come in. So a skin sparing mastectomy. So what happens is I make an incision around the border of your areola. And you end up the main piece of advice that I can give, despite being so aware of the various parts of the procedure from friends and family members in my life that have had the procedure, taking the time to ask the questions and hear my physician explain her process was so important to my understanding and processing. I promise you it is no inconvenience to the physician for you to ask questions to better understand a procedure. So once all of the scans and the tests and the coordination with insurance, multiple office appointments between the plastic surgeon's office and the surgical oncologist office were squared away. The next step was planning for my recovery, looking at what that recovery could be like without truly knowing how my body would be was possibly the most overwhelming part of the whole experience. I will say, while it might feel uncomfortable, This is the time to lean into your community. Meal trains, arranging carpool pickups, giving yourself that space to heal and say no to tasks that you might actually enjoy but will not be able to do can help prepare you to feel supported in your recovery. As a child life specialist, one of the most important parts for me was to have the time and space to prepare my children for the surgery in a way that was developmentally appropriate for each of them. I will tell you that this looks very different for all families. I knew for my family, it would work best to tell my children in groups of two. So I would have my, at the time, 11 and 8-year-old together 
and have my 16-year-old and 15-year-old together. This would give the opportunity for them to each feel supported by having a sibling present, but receiving information in a more hands-on way for the younger two in a way that was more critical thinking for the older two. I'm going to give a snippet of each of them. The first one that I start with is a conversation with my two daughters who are very hands-on eager learners and have all the questions. And here is a window to what that looked like. So I'm going to talk to you all about my surgery on Tuesday so that you have no questions, okay? But I wanted to see, first of all, do you know why I'm having this surgery? So that you don't develop cancer? hmm So when I was younger, like when I was like a 23-year-old, my body made a lot of cells that grew together kind of like, so kind of like Lego. So our body is made up of tons of cells, right? And we have some fast-moving cells and fast-growing cells, and we have some slow-growing cells, but our cells all do different jobs. And they all kind of connect together, kind of like Legos, to be able to do those jobs. So some cells, their job is to help us, you know, have a lot of energy to run really fast, right? Some cells, their job is to help us grow hair. Some cells, their job is to keep us healthy. Mm-hmm. To for our immune system, right? And to, to have healthy white blood cells, which are our soldiers, to help fight illnesses, right? But sometimes there can be cells that just get the wrong code. You know, like when you are building in Minecraft, if you are building with the wrong things, sometimes it can just go out of control, right? And you can make way too many of something, right? Like remember that time you made a million sheep? No, that was a million cats. Okay, fine. A million cats. Did you need a million cats? No, right? It wasn't really good for your world, was it? Kind of like this with my body. Sometimes it has cells that have no job. Those cells just grow together and they make something that's called a tumor. It's not cancerous. The doctors have already checked that to see if that tumor has cancer. It's just basically a bunch of cells that grow together that have no job and they get in the way. So what the doctors have had to do a lot of since I was like 23 was go in every once in a while and take some of those cells that have no job out. When you were really little, you may not remember, Miss Weir actually came and woke everyone up in the morning. Brought us to school and me to daycare. Do you, not daycare, but to preschool. Do you, do you kind of remember? Yeah. Yeah, that was because I was having one of these surgeries to take these cells out, right? So what the doctors have realized is that my body just keeps making these cells with no job. Instead of having to do lots and lots and lots of surgery in my breast tissue, which is where those cells with no job grow, what they have to do is they are just going to take all of my breast tissue away and then build me new breast tissue that won't grow any more cells like this with no job. Pretty cool, huh? And the way that they're making those cells is they are taking the cells that are in my abdomen, which is like my stomach area, kind of by my tummy. Yeah, we all Yeah, that that belly part, they're going to take some of that and they're going to use that to make new breasts tissue. It's kind of crazy, huh? My mom's going to get tattooed. Yes. So when they do that, that means they have to take everything that's like my normal breast tissue away. So my nipples, my veins, my skin, all of that stuff. My skin stays, but everything underneath goes away. Okay. Your skin is connected to your nipples. But they're going to actually take my nipples off. They've done that before, but they put them back on. But because they've taken them off so many times... Now, because this surgery is bigger, they can't put them back on. So they're going to build me some new ones that are fake. 
They could get infected like your ears. No, my new ones won't. No, but if they were to like keep taking put them. Yes, that's the reason why they can't take them off and keep putting them back on because your skin can only have so many things happen to it again and again and again, right? Why do we have nipples? To feed babies when they give birth? To feed our babies, right? That's It's like a bottle. That's how I fed you. That's how I fed Lucy and Gabe. And that's how I fed Molly. But now, am I having any more babies? No. I'm done with that part. So they've already done their job. So I don't need them anymore to do that job. But we need ours. Yes, you still need yours. And they're still going to make me some that kind of look like yours. They may not have any color, but they have no job. Okay? So they're just kind of there for decoration. They're kind of like my decorated fake nipples. But yours actually have a job. And one day, maybe... And it keeps all the milk in it. Yes, kind of. And it then, makes milk. Well, the milk is made inside your breast yeah. tissue. You're right. And one day, if you decide to have babies and decide to feed them that way, you might feed them through your breast tissue. Yep. Then they use it for their job, right? So if you look on this body, but so if you're looking here, they're going to take this part off and then they're going to make an opening across my belly under my belly button. And then there, what they're going to do is they are going to take that tissue and put it here. So when I'm first coming out of surgery, I'm going to have to stay kind of hunched over like this because my skin is really tight right here and my body is healing, okay? Whenever they do major surgery, your body can get lots of swelling and bruises. Let's look at this. So this is not blood. This is just water with food coloring, okay? But it kind of looks like blood. So when I come home, I will have six of these little balls mm -hmm. kind of baby balls. They kind of do. You want to feel them? Mm -hmm. They're just kind of rubbery. Are these like the bags you were talking about? Yeah, these are the bulbs. And I'll have like six of them hanging. So I'll have like two or probably like four up here. And they'll be hanging on little cords like this. And they'll be connected inside my body, okay, with little stitches holding them in place. So they're not going to just fall out. But they're going to kind of dangle like this, kind of silly. Mm -hmm. And what it's going to do is these are going to fill up. With blood. Well, with blood. With fluid. fluid the, swelling. the stuff to take the swelling away. So as my body is healing, it's going to fill up with all the stuff that my body doesn't need so that it can just get rid of it, right? But I'll have like four, two here, two here, and I'll have two down here by my tummy, okay? So I have special jackets with pockets that I can put them in. And when I go to take a shower, it's going to be around my neck like this, and it's going to dangle, and I can put it in a special thing. But it means that that's why I can't have the kittens here. Because could, do you think kittens would be interested in playing with this? Yeah, they would go. Yeah, they would swat at it, right? It would yeah. be just like a toy for them. <laughs> and they might want to pull on it and chew on it. And a lot of times doctors worry that puppies or dogs might want to pull on it like it's a ball, right? Luckily, Rosie George is so old and Roxy's really well trained that she's not going to mess with them. Okay, the way that it works is it fills up kind of like this. See? And so you might see it kind of dangling from my, from my body like that. And you might think, oh my gosh, this is hurting mom. It's not. It's actually a helper. And so it starts off super squished. And this one, for some reason, is not squishing. It starts off super squished and then it slowly fills up. And when it's all full, then daddy and I will drain it into the potty and just flush it away. Do you just unscrew it? You unscrew it. You kind of like milk it like this to get all of the blood into the bowl. And then you just kind of unscrew it like this. 
and you squeeze it out into like a bowl or a container and then you squeeze it out and then it's empty still. So then dad or I or Nani will reconnect it and then it's going to do its job and fill up again. Yeah. And then you, when it's full, you have to do it again and again and again. And you know, when I first come home from surgery, it might fill up a whole bunch a lot, right? All of them might be full. We might have to empty them a lot. But as I get closer to healing, then it's only going to take a long time for it to fill up. And it might not even fill up at all. It might just fill up a tiny bit. And instead of being red, it might be very clear almost or hardly anything at all. And then that means it's time for the doctors to take them out. So that's how the doctors know that my body doesn't need them anymore. And then I'll just go to see my doctor at their doctor's office and they'll take the stitch out and they'll just pull the string out. I don't have to have surgery again. What questions do you have about that? Because that's a lot of information. Nothing. Do you see how in here there's also like things that look like clumps? Yeah. Yeah. In mine, you're going to th- see things that look like clumps too. And that doesn't mean that it's anything. It just means that in our body, our tissue, it's not like Kleenex tissue. It's skin tissue and body tissue. So it kind of makes... And it plumps all the, pumps all the fluids and blood and different things into... So do you know, like, when you get a bloody nose and you sometimes take the tissue out, how there's, like, that gunk with it, right? Yeah, that's, like, what's in there. Yep, that's just like it. So you might see things floating around in these little plastic balls, and that's completely okay. It's supposed to do that. Question will be, do you think Daddy is going to feel like passing out when he's working on it? Because does he like blood? No. No, he gets nervous. So we'll see. We'll yeah, see. I could help. That's sweet. And you know, the good thing is, is mommy knows what to do too. And I have Miss Erin and Miss Leslie and Miss Meg, Brady's mom, and they're all nurses. And also Miss Molly. And Miss Molly. Miss Molly's not a nurse, but those three are nurses and they all know how to do this too. And they can all come over. They live right down the street and they can help me if I need them. They've all offered. But it means that like We won't be able, Annie, to like jump on my body and climb up to snuggle right now because I'll have these extra little drains and that all my sores where they opened me and closed me with stitches is going to be kind of sore and tender. You might get hurt. It might feel uncomfortable for me. So we just have to be really gentle with my body. So it means for a little bit, I'm going to probably sit alone. Okay. Okay. And also sometimes you'll be in your rocking chair. And when you first come home from school on Thursday, I'll be so excited to see you, but I'll be up here in my chair because I won't be able to go up and down the stairs a lot. It'll be really difficult in the beginning, but I can walk around to your room and you can come visit me and I'll have to walk every day, but I'll just walk upstairs until my body. And I'll check on you to see how you're doing. You can watch shows in here. I'll have a special chair for me to, that I'm going to sleep into because I can't lay flat on my back or mm-hmm. on my side yet. Yeah. Okay. I'll just stay kind of bent over like a little granny and I'll have my walker. So Nani's going to be here the whole week with me. And she's coming so that she can be here to help daddy with driving y'all to things like soccer practice. No, you're going to take the bus. But big ways that you can help us, are you ready, yeah. is like listening to Nani and obeying her. And, and doing what she says. And also, how else can you be a helper to Nani? Like do your chores without having to be asked to make your bed Yeah. Nani. And also, when she can't wrap something, give her a ladder. Really? If she needs <laughs> Okay. But what if Nani makes something for dinner that, like, you think is kind of gross? 
just keep it inside your mind in the very back and don't say it. Well, you can just take some no thank you bites and and try to like be kind with our words, right? I'm getting dinners from um. Yeah, but that's going to start after Nani leaves because Nani is able to help make food. She loves cooking, so she's going to help make some food. And she's going to try to make things that you like, but she may not know the breakfast routine. And so you guys can help her and say, oh, Nani, I like to have sausage and a yogurt for breakfast. I'll make my own breakfast. Well, you can work with Nani and say, Nani, I like to have a warmed up muffin or some, you know, things that we normally have. You might not have time for a very long and involved prep like this last one was. And that's okay. Sometimes preparations happen in short little bursts over a period of time. Other times it might happen where you think it's going one direction and your children take it a whole different direction. Don't let that discourage you. The fact that you are able to talk with your children about your body in a way that is open and accepting, it is helping them to understand and process what's going on. When doing a prep, I do have a very short and skinny mold that I have found to be successful, particularly with elementary school children. I like to give them something that they can manipulate while we're visiting, either drawing or Legos, rainbow looms, something that they can do with their hands because it helps keep them engaged. I always start off with figuring out what they already know so that I can clear up misconceptions, talk to them about what is happening what that looks like. And when I'm talking about what that looks like, I really rely on those five senses, what they're going to see, what they're going to smell, what they're going to be able to touch. And then I talk about who are the helpers that are there to help keep them safe. Sometimes we'll talk about what roles they have, followed by what questions they have. I am now going to show you a conversation that we had with our teenagers. And in true teenage form, We talk about flatulence, TikTok, parental settings. It's just messy. Teens move with an energy that is different, but it does not mean that they are not processing. What is not featured in this is all of the follow-up conversations that happened. Because we gave our older children more time to process the information, they were able to come back to us at individual times and ask more questions and get more information. So it might seem a little chaotic and a whole lot of real life, but there is a lot of processing happening in this nervous energy too. Okay, quit talking about farts. Okay. I want to talk to y'all about my surgery that I'm having that I I haven't got a chance to talk to you about yet. Getting her boobs cut off. Wait, you're getting your boobs cut off? I'm not getting my boobs cut off. Can I rephrase it, please? Okay. I am having what is called a double mastectomy which is where they remove all of my breast tissue and then they are going to build me new breast tissue. So are you going to have like double Ds? No, that would be painful for my back. Every person's entitled to do for them what they do for them. But for me, I'm just having like the same recreated. In January, I will be having a surgery where they are going to take away my breast tissue that I currently have in surgery and they are going to be putting... That same surgery, building new breast tissue out of tissue in my abdomen. So basically, you're going to have like a six-pack? I wish. That would be phenomenal. Can we like make that happen? That'd be amazing. No. Basically, the reason they're doing this is because that way they can transplant all of my veins that are here 
up to here because when you take all of this away, they take the vessels. Are they making you skinny? No. That would be amazing too. I would be the same me and the same body. When I was 22, I had a big giant lump in my breast and they found it and had to remove it and they thought it was breast cancer. And it turns out it was not, but it was precancerous. So it meant that it had cells on it that could grow into cancer if we left it. So they had to take it away. And so that kind of started all of this. And then it just kind of every once in a while, it continues to grow more and they take it away wherever it grows. And then it grows more and they take it away. And so through time, every time they have to take away a growth or anything, it makes scar tissue. And that scar tissue with the dense tissue in my breast, which is just like some people have that, some people don't, that's genetic. Coupled with that and the scar tissue, it's made it very difficult for them to do good images to be able to see if I have breast cancer. So, so you could have breast cancer? They don't think I do right now. They're very confident that I don't. But because I have to still have a mammogram every single year and they can't see now, we've done lots of different things to try and make the pictures easier. Like we've tried doing an IV and putting in contrast, which is like that picture of water. That is a special solution that you put into your IV that goes right through your body and helps the picture show up better. They still couldn't see because it was just so much stuff. I know you got your nipples cut off. So my nipples stayed, but they they did have to remove them yeah. to be able to do that last surgery. Yeah. But then they put them back on. Yeah. Yes, you're right. But they did get your nipples. They Cut them off. They kind of flipped them back like hats. So they let you have them. Well, they just made an opening. I wouldn't say oh, cut so them that's off. Like, like sideways like that. Yeah, popped up. They like flip it open like a trap door. Like a trap door. And then they put them back. You're right. But for this one, because I'm actually having this surgery, it's considered like a transplant because they are relocating veins and they're having to reconnect them kind of like when you when dad splices wires and the electrical cords, and then reconnects them, and you need them to work again. But so the surgery could fail, is what you're saying? The surgery won't fail, but it means that they need the veins to be able to work when they move them up here so that I get good blood flow, and my body has warmth and feeling and temperature and all that stuff. So because the more mess with somebody is like moving someone's skin tissue and putting it back on, because there is the worry with that, they actually are not going to use the nipples I currently have in that surgery, which I know sounds weird. Where are you going to put them? They are going to make me new fake nipples. Uh -huh. You're not going to have real nipples? I'm not going to have real nipples. I'm going to have, like, for a little bit, I'm just going to have, like, a space of, like, where they've made tissue out of skin. And then I will have a tattoo artist that will color them. But they will look like regular nipples. But your first that. tattoo. You've seen videos of that? On TikTok, yeah. I've been tattooing nipples. Why? I don't know. Interesting. I don't search for them. <laughs> they just show up. Yeah, they actually look really realistic, though. Your they do. It's like they make it like lumpy and stuff. Yeah, like they... recent game searches. You don't want to look there. I was just thinking, <laughs> why is that being chosen for you? <laughs> okay, we'll get to that later. <laughs> okay. So, for a little bit, because it is a very big surgery, that's happening in January. Hey, listen, here are the important things to note that before anything happens, dad and I will tell you what's happening. And the reason why we waited is we wanted to make sure if one, we were really going to do the surgery and two, 
we were waiting so that we would know what the timing looked like. And yeah, like I can drive now. Well, yes, but we were waiting to see really more of like, I don't have cancer, so we don't have to rush and do it right now. We can wait until January, until after Christmas. But what if cancer develops now? Well, they're not thinking it will. I had a good check on my body this week is what I'm trying to say. Okay. Most important thing is I don't have cancer. This surgery is going to help keep my body safe because now after having this, I will never have to have a mammogram again. So I won't grow cancer there. And it also means that now like I will be able to just have a healthier body. But it does mean that in January, I will have a very hard recovery. And I'll be able to talk to y'all more about like what I'll look like when I come home once I know more. But I'll have to have like drains, like plastic drains for a little bit. My boom bags. Well, they're, they're <laughs> kind of... colonoscopy, but in your boobs. Yeah. Totally different. But it is a bag that will collect blood and fluid because that is what happens when you get a bruise, right? It's just swelling. Like it's like extra blood. Are you going to be like the grandma in Euphoria? I didn't watch Euphoria. So I don't know how to answer that, but I can find out. I will ask about the grandma and euphoria can research it. But really the big thing is those are temporary and those are just to help me heal. I have some here actually that I can show you. I'll have a walker for a little bit. I won't be able to stand up straight. I won't be able to use both arms. I'll be probably sleeping downstairs for a little bit in a rocker. That we're gonna get like a special rocker. What? Like a hospital bed? So you're gonna be like Mama Coco? I'm <laughs> gonna be like Mama Coco. Wait, so we're all gonna just be like having family dinner at the table and you're gonna be in the corner <laughs> with like. No, I hope not. But it does mean that in January and February and March, everyone is going to have to step up a little bit more and help out in ways that maybe they don't have to do right now. But we will identify what that looks like when we get a little bit closer. So we're just starting early conversation. Entire season of spring, which is my favorite, I'm going to be a little gimpy. But so then, can we take you outside sometime? Yes, you can also water me and throw food at me. <laughs> I will still be a human. But it means like if you guys don't clean up after yourself and leave shoes. will be a pig. Yes, because I will not be able to bend down and clean up after you. And dad... It means dad's going to have to take on a lot more, and that stinks for him to have to do it all. So you guys have to help more. I do want to touch on something that one of my guests from season one commented on, which I think is really important to highlight. In your process of preparing for a major surgery for yourself, take a moment to check in with the person who is your partner or your spouse, your primary caregiver and support person to make sure that they have their questions answered and they feel ready and capable for what their roles are, recognizing that their world is shifting a lot in the balls that they typically have to juggle and adding new ones to that. There will be new people in the home that maybe are not there all the time. And while you're recovering, they're having to balance that dynamic. So just taking a moment to check in and see that they don't have any questions and that they feel supported in their role can go a long way in preparation. Hi, my name is Kelly May, Julie May's husband, and uh, I'm incredibly attractive. Okay, that's, that's enough. What were your concerns once we knew that surgery was the best plan moving forward? So I think, you know, the first thing I thought about was 
what was the recovery going to look like for you? <laughs> what, you know, how much pain were you going to be in? You know, what do I need to do uh, to make sure that you're comfortable and, and that the kids and the pets and everybody gave you the space to heal that you needed and, and didn't bother you too much? You know, the meals that everybody was bringing were going to be really helpful, but I knew that it was going to be making sure that everything got done in terms of like getting the kids where they need to go and, and all that stuff. That was a big concern, but more so than anything else, just how much pain you were going to be in. That's what I was most worried about. I'm way more of an introvert than you are. So what was kind of overwhelming more so than anything else was a lot of the outreach, if I'm being honest, a lot of the people talking about it, talking about it, leading up to it. It just, it, that to me, that was overwhelming. Not so much what was going to happen from a surgery perspective or what was going to happen from a healthcare perspective, but just the involvement of the community itself was was overwhelming. But I think what was important for me to realize was that part of it was crucial for you to feel comfortable. You know, having community involvement and, and having, you know, people there that were in your corner rooting for you. As somebody who maybe is not as comfortable with blood um, <laughs> and things, medical things, I feel like one of the things I really liked that Dr. Potter's office did was give you an opportunity before the surgery to learn how to use the JP drains. Mm -hmm. Do you feel like that was helpful for you? First off, you give me a really bad rap for being not good with blood. I'm awesome with blood. You passed out just once. It was just once. Inuiting circumstances. But yes. But no, what was great, as somebody who's a non-medical person like myself, when when they tell you, yeah, there are going to be drains, my brain goes into all different directions than what it actually was. There's different descriptors that, that would have made a lot more sense to my brain. But when I actually got to see what the drains looked like and how they worked and how they operated, that was very comforting. It was a lot less scary. Is there anything that was beneficial for you personally and besides that in preparing for surgery? So yeah, I, 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 I do make fun of you a lot for how much prep work you do for things like that. And so your binder that, that you made prior to surgery, I, I did in, initially kind of smirk in, uh, in, inside my own head, but um, so helpful, so extremely helpful, not just right before the surgery, but during. It was extremely helpful to, to be able to look at that binder during surgery and say, okay, here's what I'm looking to do today, immediately after surgery. It did feel like I was cramming for a test a little bit, a test I should have studied for beforehand. But the fact that it was there and ready and and um, pretty much an instruction manual, uh, it was extremely helpful. You know, first and foremost, understand what the surgery is. Understand what your spouse is about to go through and try to be knowledgeable. You're not going to be an expert, but try to be knowledgeable and try to, and that'll, that'll initially help to gain understanding of what's happening. And then the best thing that I could say to anybody who's, uh, whose spouse is about to go through the, uh, that surgery, be really personable with the doctors and nurses uh, and PAs and, and everybody else involved. I don't know if, if it's helpful or not for the, for the medical staff, but I feel like if you are uh, supportive of the doctor and, and the, and the PAs and, and the, the medical assistants and everybody else, you know, w when they work with you as the spouse, as the person that's, uh, that's there in the waiting room, they can really help you emotionally through the process. So 
be a good person. <laughs> be nice to the people that are working on your spouse. You are part of it, whether you want to be or not. You know, you're you're an ancillary part. You're you're possibly a replaceable part, but you are a part of things. So act like it. Uh, be a part of things. Ask questions. Be involved. Don't just be a wallflower with no questions to ask and just kind of a whatever mindset. I don't know that there is a single person that goes into surgery feeling completely ready. You gather your resources, ask the important questions, prepare your children, develop a plan, and reach for your community of loved ones. You are as ready as you are meant to be. Please join back for the next episode in the series where we talk through all things recovery and healing. Thank you for tuning in to our podcast today. Please subscribe and continue to check back as our content is ever evolving. For questions or specific content-related requests, please send an email to podcast at wondersandworries.org.